and welcome back to another episode of the whole 115 yards women's football podcast joining me as always is the lovely Lindsay. how you doing miss i'm good thanks how are you yeah good thank you uh it's been a while i think it was beginning of january we last uploaded <laughs> one of our podcasts but football is finally back we've got a lot of action to talk about so shall we start with the the fa cup yep okay so we left 2023 on a high didn't we 1-0 against brighton thankfully got the three points now coming into this um everton had beat us 2-1 in the league and we were drawn against them in the fa cup so going into this match it was we hoped it was going to be a revenge match didn't we yeah and definitely because the game at villa park um we gifted them a goal and we gave them a penalty. So we, we ultimately threw away the three points. Um, it was a game that we should have won. Um, just from our performance, we should have won. We shouldn't have made those silly mistakes. Um, so it's coming back and, you know, what a, what a game to come back to for revenge. But a game in the club, like, you, you couldn't ride it any better. So, yeah, I was really looking forward to it. And especially since we got to the semis last year against Chelsea, you know, we, fair to us, we were on a much better trajectory <laughs> this time last year. Uh, but we we were just a different team, weren't we? So it was, how far can this team go at their current their current performance, their current standards? You know, can they pull it out of the bag like we've seen in a couple of matches? But we also know that sometimes they also don't, don't show up, do they? So it was very much which Villa was going to show up today. And we prayed, um, had everything crossed, didn't we, um, that they were going to do it. Now, some stats then. So Everton got to their last FA Cup final in 2020, and Villa obviously got the furthest to the semis last year. So again, even though it was an FA Cup and it's a it's an added extra for most teams, it's still both teams were going to want to win, weren't they? Yeah. Everton during the window, I mean, they were hemorrhaging players. It seemed like every other day, wasn't it? Um, either through retirement or medical retirements um, or Natalie Bjorn going to Chelsea. Didn't see that one coming. Uh, great move for uh, Natalie Bjorn, by the way. But it just felt like if at any point this was Villa's opportunity to really go for it, to really seize it. Um, and of course, we had Noel Moritz come in. Um, very experienced right back, but because of Maz's suspension, um, she went in at left back, didn't she? Yeah. So we should have won or at least competed, shouldn't we? Yeah. And we capitulated. We did. Now, we tried something a bit different, didn't we, this time? We did voice notes, uh, voice memos, should I say, sorry. Um, at the actual ground to give our reactions in real time. So we did one half time because we were too excited uh, sticker swapping and seeing everyone to do one <laughs> before the match. Uh, we did another one when I thought a goal was coming. And then there was another one when we were falling behind dramatically. So what I'll do, I'll play each one. And we'll just give our <laughs> give our reactions and hopefully take us back to that moment. Um, so yeah, so let's see if this works. So first one at half time. Okay, so half time report. Hopefully this works. Um, still nil nil. Um, really, not much in it. Both teams missing their chances. Not clinical enough. Um, Everton have probably had more chances. Um, 
but yeah, just something. We were good for what first 15 minutes. Looks started strong, really quick. Um, we were like, yep, yeah, this is the villa we want, and then it's just kind of lost a bit. Um, Lindsay, thoughts? We got too comfortable too soon. We came out playing like we did last season, and now we've kind of got too comfortable playing like we've done the start of the se- this season. Um, like to see potentially a couple of changes, not necessarily a personnel, but tactics to try and mix it up a little bit, a bit predictable. Um, but we are making use of Jordan really, really well. Um, yeah. Great to see her like really changing her position and her tactics. So that's a big positive for me. But yeah. I think we need to get something out of this game, and we can get something out of this game. But we need to really kick on now, come out fighting. Yeah, and Moritz looks quite strong straight out of the gate, doesn't she? Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely settled in, uh, created straight away, clicked with handsome, which we really want to see. And it's just, yeah. can she replicate that on the right-hand side with uh, Drew? Or when Drew plays on the left, can she replicate? Yeah, and so like we said, half-time nil-nil. But hopefully we can see more of that Moritz and Kirsty Magic on this side um, after the break. And then there's lots of subs warming up as well so we're assuming um like lindsay said change of personnel mix things up a bit and fingers crossed we uh we see some goals soon oh we were so full of hope weren't we <laughs> yeah it's just they all needed to do villa was um change the tactics and the positioning um if they'd had the tactics that we'd had um in the next goal which will um talk about next game which we'll talk about then we potentially could have seized that game and turned it on its head but we didn't so yeah because it was like we said that it was all to play for it was nil nil it was all we had to do was be clinical and be confident and attack it um because like i think we're going to see in the next two voice notes uh we just didn't really want it enough did we um so this is number two i think most of this is me reacting to how many chances we did have um in the box and um mainly kirsty hansen who looked really threatening but again just couldn't couldn't get there so enjoy okay villa are getting closer Dree is absolutely phenomenal hopefully hear the crowd wait oh go kirsty um Kirsty's got it right on the edge of the box. Oh, just. Um, Loblin Kilda Browns, come on. And Simone McGill for Kenza and Jordan. Uh, Everton have just made three subs as well. No side of Martina as of yet. Um, go on, Kirsty. It's right on the edge. Go on, what can you make of it? Let's go, let's go. Straight in. Oh, and there's just no one, no one there to get that rebound. Um, well, fingers crossed, it's 70th minute-ish. Can they make it? Yaya's running them in circles. Fantastic play for Everton, Yaya. Right in front of us. Go Rich! And right back to Anna Patton at the back. Moritz on our sides. Pushing forward. She's been a fantastic addition, like we said earlier, but so strong. And hopefully, oh, here we go. Oh, 
every time Villa get close, it just sizzles out and goes away again. So, fingers crossed, we can make something of this. I mean, I think if anything, uh, the horns that the fan club brought are just adding, <laughs> adding to the atmosphere with that. But yeah, it was one of those, every time Villa got near the box, there was a really good cross, but there was no one on the rebound or they just, they just couldn't seem to make anything of it, could they? And that's when, that's when Everton kind of took their chance, didn't they? Yeah, so I've been a whole problem all season. We've had... Um, either Rach falling deep to help out and um, then no one following it up or, you know, you'll see someone go for a run. Um, Simone McGill, Kirsty Hansen, Tree, like they all go for a run and it's like, who are they going to pass to? Yeah. And it just feels that or a ball will go forward from Kenzo and it's like, but who's there? Who's it to? There's nobody there. And this is a problem or Rach will get a ball and run and she's like... I need to pass to someone and there is no one. It's not because whoever has gone for a run is so fast that no one can keep up. We don't have Lauren Hemp in the team. But, like, it's just it's just not happening. And this is where the tactics of, of the communication and the movement need to happen. And we saw it with Rachel Corsi. She was stood there with the ball and she was waving her hands like, move, somebody move, give me something. Like, give me options, yeah. And she just put her foot on the ball and stopped it like a PE teacher. And it was like, what... What is going on? Like you need to do something and move. And if you know she's getting frustrated, Rach Daly's getting frustrated, saying, "Come on, we need Suze for Carla," mm. and and it's just like a a big big issue. And it has been. It's played us all season. We've either had people in the same space running into each other, or nobody there. It's been one or the other. It hasn't been in the middle. And we need to work out how to get in the middle rather than either be too many in one place or nobody at all absolutely and just to talk there um in the voice memo we talked about the subs um kenza went off didn't she and i don't think anyone was expecting that no not at all but yeah what impacted it it might have been needed it might be needed not because she's not good enough but just because she wasn't making an impact on the game and we needed to bring someone in that was a bit more physical because Everton is so strong physically and they've got such a physical presence like you really need to be competitive with them and yeah if you've got a player like Kenza who um, skips along with the ball then sometimes you have to play a bit dirty and a bit more physical to be competitive um, and make that happen. Yeah I was actually thinking we didn't at at this point, pretty football, it, it doesn't matter, does it? It's literally just get the ball, look where you're passing it and actually make something of it. Like we don't care if it's a worldie or if it's just like it's happening. Like I just get it in the back of the net at this point. And also it's the way of the passing, which I pointed out to you, like either the balls were going too heavy, they were going, um, yes. they're moving too fast, they're moving too slow and they just weren't there and I remember back to when I was like mm. in the academies and it was like with the training the coaches were like if you give me a poor ball I'll give you a poor ball and I'll make you work for it now obviously on the pitch you don't want to do that because that's not teamwork but they need to start doing that in training and going you need to make sure these balls are in the right place and work on your intuition to make sure they're getting there because there's been plenty of times when balls have gone down the wings for people to run onto and cross and it's been too far ahead of them um, now, if the ball's coming from deep from defence, 
and it's gone that little bit too far then fair enough it can be you know like the surface and stuff can take it too far but if you're in the same half and you're moving the ball then it needs to be accurate um and that's something that needs to be worked on the training ground getting those balls in the right places so that we can make it happen because if we can move i noticed this last see at end of last year um if we move the ball fast and move it up the pitch and play like a pinball machine and ping it up then we can cut through defences so easy. And that's how we need to be playing with our, our passes and make it quick rather than going, I can't move forward, so I'm going to pass it back. And I'm going to pass it back. And then like Daphne's got the ball and you're like, why has our goalkeeper got the ball when 10 seconds ago we were on the edge of the penalty box? Like, why are we passing all the way back? Because nobody's moving. So yeah. we just need to, you know, break it down. And, you know, Everton are hard to, to, to like, play against because they're all so tall that they're all they're all mountains all of them um so i don't think they've even got a short person in their team um they're all so tall um but you, you you've still got to find a way past and that's where jordan comes into her own because she's so good with close ball play that she can make something and, and laura brinkilda brown exactly the same you know they're both really good uh, and to an extent kenza as well but you just it's just frustrating seeing like the balls that have been and chances that have been missed, and we do it week in, week out. And it's so frustrating that the balls just aren't getting. It's not because the girls aren't running up and down, because Kirsty Hansen can take on so many defenders and literally just blitz past them, and Dre as well, and Sai, like the three of them, and Ebony Salmon as well. Like they're all quick, they're not slow, but you know you can't expect them to be like you saying Bolt because they're not. Concerned, they can accelerate to some extent, uh, but not not as much as uh, some of those passes I wanted them to do. But yeah, it's that on-field initiative, isn't it? Because sometimes, yeah, you can have your tactics all sorted and whatever, but it's sticking to a game plan to the detriment of your team. Or there's actually, oh, we planned for this, but they're not playing like that. We we need to move. We need to change. We need to. And again, it comes back to who's that voice on the pitch? Um, who's telling them to move? Rich Corsi does she does shout uh probably not as much as lucy stan rich shouts when she's frustrated <laughs> um but we need someone who actually i don't know what do you think out of that team who's who's the most vocal because i know that we're talking about daphne actually becoming more vocal which is brilliant which is what we wanted but who who just thinks the the best for that lucy stan without without a shadow of a doubt she is the one that you hear shouting barking orders um and she's got the game knowledge as well mm. she's so experienced so she's like you know where she's shouting at midfield or attack like you can always hear her shouting um there are other shouts going on and intermittent but everything it's like anger management i think for lucy stand the game she literally just shouts all the way through but it's great to see because it it's the passion of the game yeah and she puts everything out on the field which you know we love to see as fans absolutely and Again, it's it's quite like it's quite good where we sit right at the front because you can you can hear everything, can't you? So you can hear them talking to each other, which you can't usually get um, in the bigger stadiums. But but yeah, it's just interesting watching those dynamics and who kind of comes forward and watching it back. Because yes, I know we were there, but we both watched it back, didn't we? With more of an analytical eye, and um, it was Jordan when Everton just kept getting corners, didn't they? And that was it, like seven in a row. 
that they were getting and they just couldn't get it cleared couldn't get away um but jordan pulled them all and like started like high-fiving clapping being like right come on let's go so and again it's that experience of i know my team are down like for some reason we're not getting it let's try and lift them let's try and do it and it comes down to more than who's captain on the pitch it's who your leaders on the pitch isn't it yeah and it always like you have managers and leaders don't you yeah in, in life and it's a leader that you want on the pitch not a manager and having you know someone like Lucy Stan and having well having a team of leaders we've seen them talk about the England team for example so many leaders on that pitch um and they all shout at each other and and, and they communicate and that's what you want to see you know a team of leaders because yeah. it might be that you know Ken's are seeing something that nobody else has seen because she's just got that insight or Jordan and Lucy go, oh, we've seen this, that, and the other, and they say move. Or Rach Corsi from the back goes, I can see this. Or, or Patsy, and that's what you need. You need people to go watch this, watch that, and move. Um, and that, that's what needs to happen. Yeah, and when they see something, kind of point it out right there and then. Um, yeah, and make it make it happen there. Absolutely. And um, we have one more voice memo. Um, it's only about thirty seconds long. And uh, yeah, I think you can tell by the emotion change <laughs> what what's happening here at this point of the game. All right, it's now 2-0. Everton have just scored again from a very ridiculous clearance. Uh, who did come off, Merlin? Who was it? The clearance was it Merlin? Hey. <laughs> Nearly got hit by the ball. Um, yeah, just... Can we get two back? Can we not? Are we too sloppy? Do we not want it enough? But, I mean, Everton, considering they've hemorrhaged so many players, are playing much better at the end of the day and taking their chances. So, here we go. Let's see. What will the final scoreline be? And the final scoreline, of course, was 3-0. <laughs> um, but, yeah, need to get hit by the ball. That was a good one, wasn't it? But, yeah, I think that clearance... Um, I mean, it was sloppy from a lot of them, wasn't it, during that game? But yeah, it's again comes back to trying to be too clever. Um, just boot it, kick it away, kick it out. Don't care where it goes. Just not in your own net. It's, pretty, it's not not a hard thing to ask for, really, is it? Um, when that came down to it and that happened, was there then a kind of sinking feeling like, okay, this this is Villa's day now? Yeah, I think we could tell by. After the first goal, the way their heads went down, yeah. that we knew that they just gone right. That's it. We're, you know, we're parking the, the the bus, and that's it for us. Which is such a shame because we have got it in us with character to come back. Mm. We've seen it time and time again. Um, but yeah, we were just like, no, not today. I don't know whether like they weren't interested in the FA Cup, and it was like, oh, it's something extra to focus on. We don't want it, or mm. um, we're not interested in silverware this year. But it felt like we were trying to throw the, the game at, at that point rather than actually being turning up and, and fighting which is what you know the fans wanted to see we'd all paid you know it wasn't including on our season ticket we'd all paid to come um yeah. extra on top um it's a loud turnout um lots of new fans lots of new people um great atmosphere and you could tell because at the end they were so embarrassed after that performance to come over and see the fans yeah they were literally like how between their legs, like, oh my god, that was awful. Um, and all apologised on the socials. But 
you know, if you know that you've got a problem, then why don't you try and sort it out? You know, we'd rather have a team that got beat 10-0 week in, week out and actually tried than a team like that that just like, it's like watching the men play. They just were like, yeah, not interested. Um, so it's where the frustrations come. And as we'll talk about in the next game, a lot changed. Um, but that it was needed. And I think it was a wake-up call that we needed to think that the last time I played Everton, we could have coasted and beaten them. Yeah. And this time round, it was like, well, actually, they were really competitive and we couldn't compete. Absolutely. And I was just about to say, it, it was a rude awakening for, right, it's 2024 you should with Everton you should be at least competing not a chance should you have gone 3-0 down at all by like we've said giving away a penalty giving away a goal um and it wasn't even a 3-0 game was it if you said it was a 3-0 game you think oh you know Villa got hammered it wasn't even that that you know distinctive and obvious no absolutely and for what Everton actually put out on the pitch. And I was looking at the stats. Again, there wasn't much in it at all. It was not a 3-0 game. So it was, I don't want to say it was good to see, but like you said, the players' reactions said everything. Like, oh, okay, that that was shocking. That was horrendous. Yes, some games don't go your way. We know that. We're not, you know, completely in denial. But yeah, it was good to see that they were embarrassed in the best possible way. Yeah. Um, so that they weren't delusional they knew um that was poor um but i have to say the all of the villa fans and you know not just villa but if you're just a fan of a team a true fan you you stick with them um and Mm -hmm. you keep going and you put your support out and i think quite a few of us there was a thing going around saying uh tag your favorite football player and a lot of us tagged a few of the villa players just to say look we've got you we're still here um just go out fighting. That's all we want. Um, and yeah, if we get hammered by whoever it is, as long as you've turned up and fought for that badge, we're there. We'll, we'll stick with you. We'll stay. So in comparison, shall we talk about the Leicester game? Absolutely. Yes. Okay. So we kind of had a little roundup, didn't we? We said, right, okay, what do we need to put in place for that game? And it was essentially everything <laughs> everything kind of needed to change whether it was kind of that rhythm that momentum that the communication that we keep banging on about um and there was it's a bit annoying in the first place because it was meant to be on sunday at the king power stadium but then they changed it within two weeks notice to friday night seven o'clock at the burton albion pirelli stadium so that was a bit of a farce um because you'd think well a lot of fixtures have also been changed wouldn't they know that in the first place to give people a lot more time because people had changed shifts hadn't they and people have booked hotels as well yeah i mean like, we know people that come up from like portsmouth way to come watch villa play yeah not all just local brummies exactly um and talking to so i couldn't make it um because it was on the friday um but a couple of people that were talking to the Leicester fans were like, oh, we thought it was going to be more of your lot anyway, because it was like an away game, like a traveling game. Whereas they didn't expect that many Leicester fans because it was 40 miles away from their normal, their normal ground, whether they would turn up or not. Um, but I don't know what the official attendance was. Um, I don't know if it ever got released. Do you remember seeing anything? No. 
so yeah so people managed so they opened up um one stand like they usually do um compliments on the stadium apparently it was a lovely a lovely cozy stadium considering it was absolutely baltic <laughs> uh so um yeah the people who made it who traveled were were hoping for a win we were hoping okay leicester they're one of those teams aren't they that kind of quietly go along their business and um, because they don't have many i don't know stars as you might put it um they their best player is their goalkeeper yeah um, they, they seem to be forgotten about almost. No one really talks about them, but they've got Lena Peterman, um, the CJ Bots, Courtney Nevin, like they've got loads of names, but no one's really bothered, um, which, you know, uh, I feel quite bad for Leicester actually. But yeah, so we went and what were kind of your thoughts going into this? What do you think the team had to do? What do you think they could do um, in order to make sure we got those three points? Well, I thought that for Carl to keep a job, we needed to win. Um, for the fans to not turn on the team, we needed to at least get a draw and turn up um, because their goalkeeper is so good, Leipzig, that, you know, if you're playing against a world of a goalkeeper, like, it's not like it's just anybody that will hemorrhage goals. Like, it's gonna, they're going to be the biggest obstacle rather than the defence. Um, but Carla brought in um, two individuals to, ha- to the coaching team to help her with tactics and aggression. So it was good to see how that shaped the game. Um, but I thought that we needed some tactical changes. Um, <clears throat> same as what I said at half t- time at the at the uh, Everton game: uh, move people around, play people in different positions, make it click. We need to make it click, and that was what I was hoping for. I wasn't hoping for miracles. We only got five days to turn it round, including rest days, five six days. Um, but we needed to move things around, get things moving. Um, I wanted three points. We could get three points, but we would have to turn up. And this was the: Are they going to turn up? The the ever big question. Um, but I was hopeful because um, we do tend to play well when we're away. And we don't take many travelling fans, with the irony. Um, we do have this habit of doing really well. Um, and, yeah, so I was excited to see what would happen. And I was also excited to see how Maritz would um, settle in with Mas Pacheco back. That was the other thing that I was interested to see where she was going to play. Yeah, because we talked about it, weren't we? You know, Maritz usually plays at right back, so would she go in for Sarah Merlin? Mm-hmm. Um or because she was filling that spot while Maz was serving a serving a ban. So we know she can play both sides, but it was where who she's going to link up with best and you know where where she's going to play. Now, when the starting eleven came out, people were kind of like, sorry, what? Because it was very different to what anyone expected, wasn't it? So we had uh Van Domsla back in goal, we had Merlin, Patton, Staniforth. Corsi, Lehman, Daly, Dali, Blinkilda, Leon, and Maritz. So when you first saw that start in 11, what, what did you think initially? You have to go within Carla Ward, we trust. Um, yep. But I was like, something's happened here on the training ground for them to start doing stuff. You've got the Swedish connection with Maritz and Lehman. Would that work? Swiss. Sorry, Swiss. Swiss connection. <laughs> That's it again. So you've got the Swiss connection. That's what I meant. 
um, on the uh, with uh, Maritz and Lehman, um, which would work. Um, and I wanted to see how that was better than Hansen and Maritz because I thought that that was a really good link up. So I wanted to see what Carl had seen on the training ground to see why that was better. Um, and I was interested to see uh, where Kenza Darley would play um, in that formation, how she would play, and Blinkilda Brown, would, how, you know, where she would play. Um, and I was surprised to see Maz on the bench. Um, but I'm all for change and I'm all for competition. And Carl has clearly gone for a tactical shake-up and I knew it was going to be a kill or a cure. It was either going to go really well or she was going home with a P P45 to Sheffield um, yeah. after the game. It was going to be one or the other. And it... Yeah, I mean, to mix it up that much and, for example, start Lehman, who we know has been a bit hit and miss. She has looked better the last couple of games, though, hasn't she? Yeah. Um, so we never we never like to doubt a player because, you know, prove it. Do, you know, do all of your talking on the pitch. Um, so it was actually really good to see see her link up with um, Maritz because that understanding was there. Yeah. And she, yes, she was still a bit sloppy, but she looked stronger then we'd seen her for a while. And she was actually doing some quite nice football um, for right. a change. So fair play to Alicia, you know, she she did step up in that moment um, being in the starting 11. But I was I was writing notes for it for the blog and, you know, I've put, it was a really good battle between Dree and Courtney Nevin. Um, and you just think Dree needs more accolades. She needs more goals for starters. Like the amount that she almost has, you know, every time she gets the ball, you get excited. Because is she going to score? What's she going to do with it? And I think, I don't know, once once the rest of the team, we keep saying it, but once they click, I just, uh, I can see it being brilliant again. I can see it being like the team of last season. Um, yep, and... The thing with Dre is she's yeah. inconsistent. And this is the problem. She's, she's inconsistent in her end product. And this is the bit that's knocking her game down. Mm-hmm. Um She's a fantastic player. She's brilliant. I love her to bits. And this isn't a negative at all. But if she can put her shooting boots on like she does when she plays for Canada and, and, and make sure it's on target. I mean, she had some corkers that were nearly worldies in that game. Um, yeah. And if you can just make sure that the ratio of, of uh, chances to goals... Um, improves a bit more with Villa and a bit less with Canada, especially when they play England. Um, we would like that, please. Um, but she, you know, she could be so good um, if she just gets a bit more clinical. Um, but she's such a good player and I don't want to take anything away from her game because she has been phenomenal all season. And it's just things like that, that, you know, if, if it came good... It'd be brilliant. She's not the only one. Kirsty Hansen's been the same. Rachel Daly's been the same. So, you know, it's not just her I'm picking on. They're all in the same boat. And I think, like, like you said, when they click, the confidence will come mm. and it will happen. It will happen. And we will be, you know, we might, you know, make a couple of mistakes and go, like, concede a couple of goals, but we'll still go and run up the other end and score, you know, 20. At the end of the day, we're running away with three points. It's Bielsa football. Um, but that might be 
what's needed for us with our team, that might be our game plan. You could tell it was coming and for both teams, it was a must win because if we did win, which spoiler, we did, we, we went up to seventh. Yeah. There is nothing in the table at the minute. I mean, we'll talk about some of the other results um, in a moment, but you know, it's Bristol and West Ham on five, Leicester on 10, Everton and Brighton on 11 and us on 12. Like, there is literally nothing. Um, so every point counts. And West Ham are going to be fuming that they didn't get the win against Spurs. Yeah. <laughs> but we could we could discuss that in a minute. But but yeah, we knew it was a must win. We knew that it needed to come. And Rachel Daly, as she always does, she produces, doesn't she? Now, we when we think about her goal scoring, how prolific it was last season, and we've kind of touched upon it, it's very she's good in like the Conti cup and things like that when they kind of come a bit easier but kind of struggled again this season so i think as soon as that ball went in because her first shot went just wide yeah. didn't it? it just didn't quite, didn't quite work but then as soon as that goal went in you could just tell they all relaxed and that enjoyment came back and the confidence was coming back and we we're like right okay ready ready for this uh ready for this win um but yeah did you feel that as well as soon as the goal went in it was like Right, we can breathe now. Yeah, and this is, uh, in Carla's interview at the end, she said, like, if we can be more clinical and we can get three, four goals, then we won't have the nervy end to the game that we had and that threat, that constant threat all over the, the whole game with anxiety of if they score, they're back in it. Whereas if we've got three or four goals, then does it matter if yeah. they score one? You know, at, at Daphne would be unhappy because she'd lose a clean sheet, but does it really matter if... Yeah, we concede one because we've made a boo-boo. It doesn't really matter. Um, so that's what like Kyle said, and I totally agree with, because that's what made the game tough. Because um, I know that you said, oh, we've done like, much better, and we, we did do much better, but I didn't want to use the word much because I felt like we could do even more. Um, and that, oh, yeah, that, that's where um, I came from. And also I felt like if we'd have put those chances away, it would have been a more clearer reflection of the game. And I yeah. think the Leicester heads would have gone down, which would have stopped that late onslaught trying to get back in the game and we would have been able to, you know, be better. And I think that's where we're falling down. But the heads were coming up, the confidence came up and we celebrated like we'd won the World Cup, you know, winning yeah. three points. And they went over to their fans and they were, you know, involved in the fans. Carla went over to the fans. Um, big shout out to yeah. um, who got a photo with Carla and she it made, her, made her day, made her year. Uh, made her life, yeah. So um, but, that, that's, that's what we needed. And I think that that hmm. meant a lot to the players. And, you know, it's the scrappy wins, like you were saying earlier, the scrappy wins that are going to get us up. And like we said about them last season, a good team is a team that goes out and doesn't win week in, week out pretty, but they can go out and have a not-so-good game and still run out with three points and that's what we need to be like and we need to get back to so we potentially could do like really well and I'm just hoping that this is the clicking and the people that have been brought in that have made such an impact in five days you know they've had another seven days we're hoping that you know the next game that we play they'll you know really push on and then when we see Villa play at home next which I think is Bristol City is it Bristol City? Yes, um, I think so. Then the fans again, the home fans will be able to cheer them on 
and then that'll keep the momentum up because uh, United next which is a tough game but I'm hoping that the City game we can get back pick up any you know, any negatives from that game because it's going to be a tough game and then really you know bounce back against Bristol City sorry to Bristol City fans but um, we're coming for you <laughs> and I think but it's got to be that brutal hasn't it it's yeah. got to be you show up you fight you make the most of your chances and like you know not that I'm comparing us to Chelsea in that sense but Chelsea always find a way don't they yeah. they even if they're not performing their best um which is probably still better than the majority of other teams and um, they, they still get it done uh, because they take their chances and I think especially with Villa what they've tended to do isn't it they kind of get a goal and go right we'll keep it rather yeah. than trying to attack and keep going and they just need to remember like how good they are and yeah. how like you said if you've got three or four goals passed then yeah if one goes in it like it's fine like it's not the end of the world obviously keep pushing and don't let it happen again but those last 10-15 minutes I think all of our heart rates yeah. just went mad because the amount of clearances they had to make and let's just touch on the biggest change from those matches Sarah Malin um because in the Everton match we were all kind of like oh not one of your best matches some very very silly mistakes but in that match you know she was <laughs> she was our savior yeah. wasn't she she that goal line clearance um so why why do you think it was that that massive for her, do you think, to come out and kind of show what she's all about against Leicester? I think when you have a bad game, it's really hard, isn't it? Because like you beat yourself up and you've got to come out and and, and drag yourself out of that negative cycle and that negative thought pattern of, you know, I wasn't good enough, I made this mistake, I cost the team, I did this, I did that. And you have this is where the psych, psychological input for the girls really comes in of the you know, it happened, let it go, let's go to the next game, it's a fresh start, come on, get the fans to love you, the fans love you, you got your own chance, Sarah Mailing, she's one of our own, she's one of our own, um, we love her, our favourite brummie, and let's get her back where she needs to be, and she was like, she's like, it's been like this all season, she'd have a bad game, and she has an absolute blinder, so I'm just pleased for her that she got that goal line clearance, because um, Daphne yeah. had a fantastic game, um, what, pro possibly her best in a Villa shirt yet. Um, she's arrived, and I think that that did Daphne the justice that was needed and got her the Player of the Match award um, as well. Yes. So Sarah had a, a really good game, and it's all about mindset, isn't it? And not letting it get you down, which is really d difficult when you know the social media and people are you know people are always critical. It's easy to criticise, but it's harder to praise. And I think that's that's what's quite difficult. But it was great to see her come out and, and, and play really well. And I was really pleased with her. Yes, she made a couple of mistakes, but didn't everybody on the pitch, you know, we're not going to be that anal to, you know, we're not Chelsea. It doesn't, we're not going to nitpick over little things. But no, she did really, really well. And um, once she'd settled in the game and got her confidence, she was brilliant. So I'm just really pleased for her for that. Yeah, she did brilliantly. And another shout out for our young superstar, uh, Laura Blinkle-Brown, um, has done fantastically well. However, um, it's now coming up on a lot of things as Laura Blinkle rather than Blinkle-Brown. So um, should we go forward just using Blinkle um, until we're corrected? I don't mind. Um, we haven't got Laura yeah. to ask, have we? So, um, 
<laughs> yeah, Laura, uh, because you listen to this and, and we do not, um, if you could just confirm what, what you'd like us to refer to as, that'd be great. Um, but yeah, she, because we'd always said, brilliant player, but just gets pushed off the ball too much because she is so slight. Um, but actually, that worked in her favour against Leicester because they they were quite dirty, weren't they, when it wasn't going their way. They got a bit got a bit angry and a bit pushy and shovery and ankle bitey. But she was able to just skip through them, wasn't she? And actually, she held her own better than I've ever seen. Um, you see that as well? Yeah, so like, when she's, we've seen her play for the under-23s, she's been fantastic. And the unders at the England pathway, she's been brilliant. When she played last season, she had time on the ball and she was brilliant. This season, she's not had that time on the ball. And that's why she's been a bit more of a shadowy figure than a prominent figure this season um, because she's a really, really good player. And I think against Everton, when they're all so tall and they're all so physical, I mean, they're all like double her size in height, um, not calling them fat, um, in height, they're all double her size. So um, it's hard for her to wriggle through, but I felt she did more of you know, prime Jordan knobs, you know, young, young Jordan knobs running through and, and creating balls. And she had, she created some good chances. And yeah, if she can toughen up with um, her centre of balance so she can hold her own the same as uh, people like Chloe Kelly can, who are slim as well, then I think it'd be really great to see her kick on. But it was great to see her have a good game. It was well needed. It was well overdue. But I think if we'd have played United, I don't think she would have had, she would have shone as much because they wouldn't have let her, they would have pushed her around too much. So it's a bit of a a negative to end the positive on, but it was great to see her play like that. And it just shows the confidence that she's got to come out and do that. And I just hope that she can, with this new coaching setup, she can really carry on and do that and be that person because we've seen it with LJ when LJ played for United she couldn't do it because she didn't have the time on the ball she goes to Chelsea she gets time on the ball and she's unplayable we saw her uh, yesterday score a hat-trick Stamford Bridge and this is yeah. this is the same situation with Blink Older Brown you just you don't know oh, until she gets a space that Leicester gave her like it's not necessarily going to happen but when she does get a space she's she's brilliant so yeah, she was such a brilliant superstar. And again, I don't know if I mentioned this on, on the last pod or on TikTok or where, wherever I've said it, but worth saying again, um, there was a stat that I saw and it was Arsenal have got, it's us and Arsenal that have got the highest average age of a team, oldest average age of a team. And the difference between us and Arsenal is that they've got a higher majority of players that are at their peak. So 26, 27, et cetera with a couple of young players, whereas we've got players right at the beginning of their career. We've got players towards the end of the career and hardly anyone in between. And that's kind of, would you say that's always kind of been Villa? Like that's where we've kind of attracted our quality from, would you say? Mm. Or is that just in the last couple of seasons? More recently with the WSL Mm. promotion, because we've recruited We've had limited budget, so we've recruited experience, yeah. people at the end, you know, people at the end of their career. And then we've had the youth coming through the academy. We've had a lot of people come through our academy. Shout out to everybody that's come through the academy. Yeah. Um, but I just think that we haven't had the funding 
And if we can buy people that are in the prime of their career, like Kirsty Hansen, yeah. then we can really move forward rather than being reliant on being like the retirement home of the WSL, which we got dubbed last year. And then it is really, youngsters stolen by other clubs. Yeah. Cough, coffee, E.B. Rabshon. So it's just about getting that nice mix. And I hope that yeah. as the, the the more mature members, mature in age, not in personality, mm-hmm. members of the um, team move on to pastures new, that the youngsters we got... No, no, no. Um, we'll... Um, will um when they go on to do their assignment projects and their commentary and everything um when when that happens and we get the youngsters through but we'll have people like Flynn Kilda Brown that have been around people like Jordan Nobbs that have a similar playing style and can really you know develop the, the team more and then we'll have the youngsters coming through and then that will change it's almost like um a rite of passage of coming into the WSL you have to you know work within your budget and your means and we said this at the start of the season didn't we yeah. you know Chelsea and a lot of the teams are shopping in John Lewis and Ocado and buying like prime stuff. And we're going to John Lewis and we've got the budget of a wish um, for wish. And we're like, well, who can we afford? Well, we can afford uh, Leah Williamson's shoelaces, but that's not going to really help. So um, this is the problem that we've got and we need more funding um, to get players. And I'm not saying that we should have players like Leah Williamson, but like, where we are to move forward if we look at Manchester United how they developed and they've got Jace and people like that that come in absolutely phenomenal mm. uh, and we just need that movement on and that investment from the club um, yeah. and then if we can get that investment then we can attract better players um, and then have natural wastage happen and, and, and get like you said, people that are in the prime of their life through. Yeah, and that's the thing. People always kind of make the joke, don't they? Who'd want to come to Villa? Um, and once you see the fans and you see that that community, you're like, okay, that's why people want to come to Villa. But from the outside, if you compare it to the facilities at Arsenal, Chelsea, etc., um, I know Bodimir Heath went through um, a renovation, didn't it, and that kind of thing. But yeah. if you look at Best Scott, bit sad really isn't it um but but then that shouldn't be the be all and end all it should be kind of that journey and where the team are at and yeah I think that next stepping stone is that funding and that belief that the Villa women's team can progress and can move on because while we're talking about budgeting um we've only brought in Noelle Moritz I mean fantastic signing but she's one person in our teeny tiny team. And we've also got what we haven't mentioned, um, injuries to Dan Turner and Lucy Parker, which we've seen, we've we've felt that difference without them. We brought Freya back off loan, which the question is, is yeah, we bring her back, back. did Reading not be able to financially support her loan? That's a big question. Uh, and we've lost Liv McLaughlin, who was that arguably question. last last year, well, tail end of, mm-hmm the season last year one of our, our standout players and our impact subs um so yeah there's a lot going on we do need to bring people in this window but whether i mean we're near you know two-thirds of the way through now aren't we and we haven't got any rumors or any bums on seats so unless we're going to do another rachel daly and another daphne and just announce out the blue then um which should be lovely we just need like some extra people in um i don't know who at this point, who they're looking for because they're changing the formation of the team. And I think, yeah, we could sit there and go, oh, we need 
uh, you know, we need, I know she's injured, but we need Sam Kerr, for example, because um, Rachel's not scoring. But that isn't the position we need to to strengthen. What we need to strengthen is uh, the midfield that's giving Rachel a service so Rachel can be the player that she was last season. So, and if, if they're moving Rachel, for example, into like a midfield role or defence role, they're not, but we're just hypothetically saying that, then we need to work out who we need to bring in to compensate for that. So, I think behind the scenes, there's a lot of tough just, um, conversations need to be had as to who we're going to bring in and where and what type yeah. of player we're going to bring in. Are we going to bring in a fringe player that's from the academy that hasn't got any WS experience into a team that is very um, vol- <laughs> it's very volatile in its success? Um, it either goes really well or very badly or do, very fragile. Or do we mm. want... Um, to bring in someone that's very experienced but injury prone or older and you know legs are going you know who are we going to pick um, or do we want someone that's sort of like to be Kirsty Hansen that's sort of getting to their prime and and needs a development but then ultimately will go back to their club and kick on with their club it's just who do we have um, we need someone from the WSL with WSL experience or someone yeah. from a board that's got WSL experience because we don't have time to bed them in no, they need to be ready to go, don't they? Because yeah. But the worrying thing was really in one of Carla's interviews, she said, um, you know, that she was happy with the squad. Yeah. Those two injuries hadn't come along and we were like I mean, on paper, yeah, the squad's brilliant, but if it's not working, it's okay, well, we, we need to change something and but then on the other hand, we don't know how much budget is playing a part of that. You know, from what we're hearing, obviously we know nothing, but it, it is all down to budget and restraints and how much does Carla actually have a say in it, which which is the really heartbreaking thing that she's trying to build something brilliant and has done, but you know, the same the board's behind them, but where's where's the where's the proof of that, you know? So yeah, it's situated a few times, hasn't she, that she hasn't really got control over who comes in and who does not. She can say, Oh, I want yeah. that person, I want that person, but nobody's really making moves it's not like uh, and this is what happened to dean smith he didn't have control over who was brought in he was kind of like well say that you want this because this is what you're getting mm. and it was very much like he was he didn't have any control over the team and, and the reason why he felt it wasn't being successful was because he was being given loads of players on a wish budget and um and, and bargain basement and some of the players were fantastic like al ghazi but some of them were absolute car crashes and like you know how are you meant to deliver in a very competitive league I mean you can argue that the women's super league is more brutal than the premier league by mm. how close it is at the bottom um mm. and every point counts um and and you just he struggled and then when he got he got, was given ownership of the the, the recruitment budget then things improved but with personal gone who was a big fan of the women's game and investor and could see the potential in it we don't know how much of a priority it is because the, the stadium expansion and development it seems to be and the crest changes seem to be dominating mm. and the women's and the foundation which is a disability uh, team don't seem to be getting much of a, a, a say in it which is a bit embarrassing in this day and age yeah. like i'm not expecting the women to be at the fore but it's one of the, the, the fastest growing sports in the country if not the fastest growing sport with exposure and they're not wanting to cash in on it and they could really make something out of it look at um arsenal um with their five season tickets at the emirates 
and that you know they they're, they're getting like the ground like half sold out you know or fully sold out with those games yeah. and you know, fifty thousand people yeah like fifty thousand bums on seats you know whether you've got complimentary seats or not that's a big atmosphere and then if you think of the ticket sales and even if it's complimentary tickets, like the food, the concourse, the drinks, uh, yeah. hospitality drinks, the shop, uh, face painting, you know, all of that, yeah. it'll really, you know, come up and that the police presence doesn't need to be as bad, as big as the men's game because it's not that type of atmosphere. So, you know, it's, it's just, they need to really reappraise where they're putting their money. And I think that we're coming off worse. We're getting the, the tail end of the the budget we're getting the dregs again which has put us back a couple of years so mm. um i hope that that's not what's happening and what is happening is there is funding but it's just very limited and carla's really having to fight for it but yeah. from an outward perspective as a fan that's what we see mm. and that's not what we want to see from our club no because then just to build on that we also wouldn't want you know oh we'll buy them they look all right like we wouldn't want money money can't solve everything but it can put you in the right bracket to get the right players um, yeah and you just need you know above all else it's goes beyond the name it's performance it's their personality it's how they're going to fit in it's what they're going to do for the club so all in all we just want kind of the team to get what they deserve and not be yeah. punished um or kind of sidelined for some other projects that unfortunately have got nothing nothing to do with the women so because there's issues with the stadium expansion and all sorts of having to delay it, aren't they? And all sorts of things, because uh, some of it's too much money, funnily enough. Um, so yeah, so it's a bizarre situation to be in right now because you think the only way should be up. And yet here we are kind of stagnating, aren't we? For want of a better word, of course. Um, but yeah, so Leicester, we won, we are currently seventh. And yeah, it was a massive three points and I think We've got Sunderland on Wednesday, which we'll talk about in a sec for the Conti Cup. Um, but after that, let's quick flick through. So it's Man United on Sunday. Uh, me and Georgie wanted that one. That should be brilliant. Um, then Bristol, like you said, next home game on the 3rd of February. Then we've got a little break. And then we are away to Spurs, um, home to Liverpool, and then away to Everton as well. So really, after Man United, considering... Man United, how they performed against uh, against Chelsea. I hope we can get a result against them, even if it is a draw, um, because why not? Um, and I think, again, it'll be a lovely revenge match, won't it? Um, yeah. Doing that against Man United. But yeah, after that, Bristol, Spurs, Liverpool, Everton, we're going to have to be on top form and fight. <laughs> Fight for all of those because we've already, I mean, we just won against Bristol. Um, Spurs, we lost, didn't we? Yeah. Yeah, that was that was awful, wasn't it? Uh, Liverpool, again, that was the shock loss. And Everton, loss again. So this is where if we're clicking, we're fighting, we're going for it, we need to turn up for every single match now, don't we? Um, because it is so close, close to the bottom. So, yeah. Fingers crossed. Uh, we've got everything crossed. And looking forward to our next competition outside of the WSL, we've got the Conti Cup, haven't we? So we are away to Sunderland and 
I don't know how to feel about that. Um, because for those of you who don't know, um, I grew up in the Northeast, Sunderland were my team. And then I moved to Birmingham for uni, which is where I met Lindsay and got accepted into the Villa family. So it's never usually been an issue because they're in different leagues. So I can split my allegiance and it's fine. But now they're playing against each other. <laughs> um, and it is kickoff on Wednesday, the 24th at seven o'clock at Eppleton. So Villa and Sunderland are at the top um, of our group in the Conti Cup. What do you what do you think going into this one? I think we shouldn't give Sunderland too much respect because I think if we go in and think, oh, it's an easy game, we'll beat them, they'll be an upset. And I think if we go in and are like too respectful, like we are when we play some of the big teams, then um, again, we'll be the same position. So I would start a strong team and then, um, you know, if it... If it's a game where we're comfortably in control, then rest players. But I would, you know, every game's a must win. We haven't got the FA Cup run. I would, you know, be, I wouldn't be starting like a the same team I would against Arsenal or Chelsea. Um, but I would be starting a strong team um, to go out there and and be give the WSL name a justice because Sunderland are coming for giant killing, and oh, everybody yeah. loves you. Dog. and cups are renowned for upsets so we don't want to be that one where you, know, you go oh well you know you lost because someone beat you um, respect so um, we need to go out there and we need to get goals Sunderland are probably the strongest I've seen them for well for years I mean they're currently second in the championship so they're definitely not a team that you know you like you said you can't Thing, ah, oh, Sunderland, because they're they're going to come out fighting. You know, they're only one point behind leaders Charlton in the championship, but it's mad. So because Birmingham City didn't play this weekend due to illness at Reading, um, they were first. They've now dropped down to fifth because everyone else won. So it's Charlton twenty six points, Sunderland twenty five, Crystal Palace and Southampton on twenty four, and Birmingham are on twenty three, and it's like it's mad the fact that there's three points within the top five spaces and again Sunderland have done well um at this point getting to get into the stage they're currently second in the group with seven points Villa are on nine and they've shown that Sunderland can put goals away and I yeah. know that we've been scoring in this competition as well so I I think you know when we were against Durham and we put out not a great team and we thought oh, I'll be all right but Durham held us until yeah. half time until Rich came on etc so yeah I think you're right I think if Villa want to take this comfortably they're gonna have to start strong start a good team and then like you said for a couple of goals up then start to replace um the different people but if anything I think Sunderland could could get something um and then of course it goes to penalties doesn't it so I mean we got through against United was it on yeah, pens on penalties yeah um so you know it, it can be done can't it just um all, all in those couple of goals so yeah it's gonna be an interesting one so I will be there um I'm taking my dad um and I think there might be about 20 Villa fans going um but I'm a bit stuck which which shirt to wear so I think I might wear my Sunderland strip underneath and then a hoodie and then my Villa top on top <laughs> 
and then just keep keep switching yeah. uh depending on depending on who's in the lead but yeah it's gonna it's gonna be an interesting one um do i cheer for both do i just stay silent do i what do i do so that'd be that'd be good but yeah what what do you think quick quick prediction oh i don't know but um all i know is that i'm excited for it and i think it's going to be a high scoring game i said that about leicester and it was one nil so i'm gonna go <laughs> i'm gonna go for a high scoring game again um but um, my gut says 2-2 two, two in penalties but that i but i don't know I, I i don't know i always get these wrong so like yeah and i'm and we'll have an elite in goal because it's the cup so she, yeah. she's she's our, our our savior in goal for penalties so she's she's a good egg like that isn't she but um but claudia morn on the other half um she should be starting i think um she's also one kind of player of the month goalkeeper of the city that, that kind of yeah, thing so yeah. very very good um so yeah i can't wait it's going to be it's going to be a battle and i think it's better when you've got championship teams and lower down teams because we've still got that like sunday league grip yeah and they just go for it um with that kind of thing so so yeah so i'll be there um i'll be live live tweeting and yeah it's going to be it's going to be such a good one um but yeah shout out to ant um i'm going to pop up on his um podcast at some point i think he's doing the spaces on twitter um yeah then hopefully we can get him on ours as like a review talk about it that'd be yeah. quite good but yeah i just think if if there's been a season where Sunderland can can try it's this season this one however conti cup rules and this is just a little um mourn at the the fa for their website trying to find a simple answer about the rules of the conti cup is mad uh, because no one they were one way and then because they've added more teams they've now redone the rules but they've got about three different articles saying the new rules of the conti cup so i believe what's going to happen because if Sunderland win, they will obviously go ahead and will be the winners of the group. I think, I think that it's the winner of each group plus the two best runners up yeah. overall. Yeah. I think that was the general consensus. So um, if <laughs> for some reason Sunderland uh, do win, then by looking at the tables, let's have a look. Villa looking at everything else would easily go through as second runner up. So fingers crossed. Yeah. I was gonna say Freya might be cup tied, so she might not be able to play. Um, I'm just thinking, because I, I said I want to see Freya play, and then I was thinking, actually, no, hang on a minute, she might be cup tied. Well keep that in mind. But, but yeah, we'll just have to see for Wednesday. So if she can play, we'll have to see her play. But if not, uh hopefully would she get any minutes against United, do you think? No. I don't. Not yet, unless there's a, a tactical change that goes on that that suits, which I could see potentially happening. But it would mean a complete reshuffle of our midfield. That was a very good point. Well, fingers crossed. Again, if Carla is looking for right biggest impact, let's change it up. Let's keep going. Maybe she will. Maybe she will get some minutes. Hopefully, if not, Bristol City and Liverpool and Everton, she'll definitely get minutes. Yeah, so. I hope so because uh, again brilliant little player um need yeah him, need him more time in front brilliant okay so that has been our roundup of lost everton in the fa cup annoyingly um the win against leicester thankfully in the league and of course looking forward to sunderland on wednesday in the 
Continental Cup. And yeah, I think it's going to be a really good run of fixtures. So fingers crossed, we've got our confidence back. We've got, this is the 22nd we're recording this. I think we've got, what, a week until the transfer window closes? A week and two days. So seven, eight, nine days till it closes. So we've said before we need, what, preferably a midfield and a defender? Or Yeah, I think we need one or two midfielders and a defender. Yeah, so, but then there's been hardly any rumours about who's who's moving because again it's not like a pressure year is it where people need to move for move for time so yeah uh hopefully we can get some fringe players from other teams um because we've seen how good grace clinton's done with martha thomas you know all these players obviously Kirsty hansen all these players that have gone to a different club getting the opportunity getting the minutes and being able to shine so fingers crossed um we might be able to secure a couple more even from abroad um i know there's a couple of people in um Liga F and things that are kind of on the periphery so it'd be really good you know if if we can but we shall see and I think that was our worry as well wasn't it with no sign-ins everyone else is moving up everyone else is bringing players in and changing things and with our one transfer yeah we saw it with City they brought one person but it was Jill Rod, you know um so when you've got that caliber, you can bring one person in, but actually when you're Villa, if you don't start making those changes, you're going to get left behind. And, you know, we could be in the danger zone, which is what, you know, we, we would never want. Um, we get more Villa Sunderland matches, but that's not, that's not the way we want to go forward. Um, but yeah, so I think that was more of a worry for us as well, wasn't it? That it wasn't the fact that we, we don't have good players. It was, we're, we're going to get left behind. Um, if we don't do something. So, because I think it's um, what people are saying at the minute, I'm just getting notifications come through. Uh, Lucy Parker is possibly in hospital now, um, getting an operation because it was her foot, I want to say, ankle, foot. Um, and then Dan Turner, we think, is going to be out for the rest of the month, possibly. So she might be starting to come back uh, two, two, three weeks or so, which is brilliant because we miss her. Um, but again, we don't want to rush back. All we want is for Villa to uh, to get the team that they deserve. So we're going to leave it there for this week. Thank you very much for listening, very much for watching, um, and keep an eye out across all of our socials for constant updates. So we are at the whole 115 yards. You can't miss us. So give us a like, give us a subscribe on YouTube, and we will see you again very, very soon. Thank you very much. Goodbye. Thank you.